And instead of feeling pressured to be on a platform that you think isn't right for you, go where your strengths are because it's hard to create content day in and day out every single day and to do this as a job or aspire to do this as a job. But if you find the right platform for you and it's the type of content you like to create, if you plan to do this long-term, that's really important. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. And hasn't it been a fun year so far, at least on this podcast? We have been coming in hot in 2024, and thank you for being on the journey with us so far. There have been some really fun growth changes since we started this year, one of which for this podcast has been going from one episode a week, which we used to just air on Wednesdays, to now going to two episodes a week. We are now airing Mondays and Wednesdays, bringing you some amazing episodes. Now, one of my reasons of wanting to go from one episode a week to two episodes a week is so I could bring you conversations and content that really move the needle and I could bring more of that to you. I know that we now live in this mass consumption phase and it can seem a lot, you know, at times to know where to turn to really get the quality and valuable content that you need that's going to help support your growth. So I wanted to make sure that I was coming in very intentionally with two episodes a week to pack that in. And one of the beauties of this change is that I get to interview more people on this podcast Guest interviews are some of my most favorite episodes to do. And over the last seven years, I have gotten to interview some phenomenal people. But I think by far my favorite type of person to interview on this podcast are brand founders, someone that might have gone from just being a content creator in the past to actually creating their own brand. And that is who really today our guest, she embodies that. I think that you're going to know who I'm talking to in a moment. And if you don't know her by name, you're definitely going to know the brand that she co-founded. And what I love about this conversation is that in the past, influencer brands were not as prevalent as they are today. However, today's guest and her company really were the kickoff to change that. Summer Fridays, launched by one of, I think, the original Instagram influencers, Mariana Hewitt, along with her co-founder, Lauren Ireland, in 2018, marked a significant milestone. Being the first influencer brand available at Sephora, Summer Fridays gained rapid popularity, especially with its cult jet lag mask. Now, cut to today, the brand has expanded its offerings to include a full lineup of skincare and makeup products. In today's episode of the Influencer Podcast, Mariana is here to share her insights into her career and the influencer role that Instagram has played, a platform that she embraced after initially starting her journey on YouTube. Today, we dive into a lot. We talk about strategies for achieving virality on social media, the importance of collaborations, connection, and building relationships, and also her perspective on the most effective social platforms to drive sales. She comes with a wealth of knowledge and she does not hold back, which I love. And she shares a lot on today's episode. So I'm so excited to dive into one of my favorite content creators and one of my favorite brands, Summer Fridays. So with that, my friends, let's get started. Hi, Mariana. It's so great to have you here with us. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation. Or for those that are listening that may not know who you are, I moved to LA in 2013 and I feel like Los Angeles really is the mecca for influencer marketing. Back then we called it blogging and YouTubing, (laughs) but what we really know of it to be today in that creator economy. And I feel like so many people were starting at that time back then. So I feel like I have known 
you and who you are and have followed your evolution for so long. And I know that so many listening have, but just a quick little recap about how you got into the space of not only being a content creator, but a brand founder as well. And where that kind of started for you probably over a decade ago by this point. Yeah, it's been a long time. In 2012, I started on the internet, which is a bit of a long time ago now. And at that point, you were either a blogger or you were a YouTuber and Instagram did not even exist yet. So this is how long ago it was. And it was very early days. And at this point, you didn't really know that you could be an influencer as a career. The peers that I had and the other people I knew that were creating content, it was just the pure love of, I love this topic and there's a platform for me to share it. And I just want to post the stuff that I love online in addition to the job that I have. So at that time, we didn't go into it thinking it was going to be this lucrative career and we could have these big dreams and jobs. It really was the pure love of creating content. Um, Video content and photos on blogs were very different back in the day. It was very polished. You needed to invest in a camera. You needed a photographer. Everything was like done to perfection and content was really glossy and pretty. And then Instagram came around and it was really a platform, not as a primary platform like it is today for so many creators or the only platform. It was really a place where you could post your content to push to your other platforms. So it was really secondary for me for my YouTube and my blog. So when I would have a new blog post, I would then post a screenshot and post it on Instagram and direct people to my blog. I would direct people to my YouTube channel. But then around 2013, 2014, Instagram started to pick up more traffic for me and I started to gain more followers on that platform. And I was starting to get some influencer type jobs where people would send me free product or I would get really small jobs. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. In addition to my job that I have during the week, like, I can make this extra income on the side. I can get free product from brands that I love. Like this is amazing. And by 2014, it was something that I was able to do full time and it was very early. But at that point, I had been doing it for two years. It was just such early days that there weren't a lot of people doing it full time yet. Brands were not fully dedicating. They barely were gifting people, let alone having influencer marketing departments and budgets like they do today. And so, yes, there were less people in the space. So it wasn't as competitive, but there was also a lot less opportunities and there weren't people to follow their path, to look up to, to see like, okay, who's done this before me? What kind of career path do I want to follow? Like, where do we think this is going? So we were all kind of learning as we went. And now here we are 10 years later. What if I told you that there was a simple way to get the brand growth and stability that you've been craving? Well, my friends, it is more than possible. And I'm going to be sharing exactly how to do that for 2024 in my brand new free live masterclass. My brand new Effortless Brand Growth Masterclass is your clear path to brand strategy for monetization and sustainable growth. During this free live masterclass, I'm going to show you the five strategic steps to boost your brand, enhance visibility, and generate consistent income for lasting success. Now, I made this class especially for you you if you lack a solid plan of action. Because I hear it. I know that you are tired of the constant money worries. I know that you don't want to continue throwing darts blindfolded and feeling like you're putting in all of these ridiculous hours to just talk to air. And I know that you no longer want to feel like you have this inability to execute on everything that you've learned. So if you're ready for passive consistent income, more sustainability and flexibility, and the confidence and clarity to know exactly who you're talking to and that you're producing the content they love, then you are going to love this free masterclass. Now it is completely free to attend and I'm going to show you how to create and implement that well-defined strategy, how to create a content plan that aligns with your brand voice and so much more. This live training is going to help you finally create that time and space that you need to grow exponentially and not 
just for today, for this entire year and beyond. All you have to do is go to juliesolomon.net slash live to save your free seat. And there's a perk. You also get a free gift for joining me live. It is the Instagram Growth Guide 2024 edition. This is a comprehensive A to Z framework where you're going to learn how to navigate Instagram effectively and optimize your content for maximum visibility and engagement. It is yours completely for free just by joining me live in this free masterclass. I cannot wait for you to walk away with your start to finish brand growth plan, how to create a well-defined brand strategy, the importance of your unique value, and your new content planning and monetization tools. Just head on over to juliesolomon.net slash live to save your free seat. I'll see you there. And what I love about this, because I think that there's so much to share here and just how to navigate the process. And I know that so many people that are listening, they're going to see someone like you and they're going to say, well, you know, she's had 10 years of growth and of experience and learning and she got in so early and she did this and she did that. But there had to be very intentional and distinct choices that you had to make along your path to get you where to where you are today. And a big question that I hear from, from a lot of our listeners is this, this idea of if I'm starting today, like how do I know where to go? Should I go on TikTok? Should I go on Instagram? Should I start a blog? Should I be on YouTube? Like what is the best next step to take? And I really don't think there's a direct answer for that. My question for you is how did you allow what was revealed to you as you just kept showing up and growing dictate those choices that you made of, you know, where you're going to be, where you're going to invest your content time, your strategic time? How was that process and that navigation for you? Back then, the navigation for me was really easy. So at the time, there was kind of like these two groups. You were either a beauty YouTuber or you were a fashion blogger. And it was very like separated. Like the girls who did fashion just did fashion. The people that did beauty just did beauty. And rarely did those two worlds ever mix. And I remember I always loved both. And I thought, well, why can't I have a blog that focuses on fashion and a YouTube channel? Because video really does best for beauty. And I have beauty here. Like, why do I have to be one or the other? And I went to a fashion event. It was very early in my career and I didn't know a lot of people yet. There was very few creators. And I sat there and I was sitting next to the designer of the brand and there was a girl sitting across from me and she was like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I have a YouTube channel um, and I post like makeup videos and I have a fashion blog. And she was like, oh, and it was the second I told her I had a YouTube channel and I did beauty. She dismissed me. And the rest of this like meal that I was at for this fashion brand, except for the founder who was so nice, the designer I kind of got ignored by everybody else sitting at the table. And I was like, oh, this is so weird. I never, why did, why do you have to be one thing or the other? And so for me, even though it wasn't the cool thing to do to do both, I always loved that these are things that I like. I have different passions in my content. And so had I felt pressured or felt bad that I was supposed to be one thing or another, maybe I wouldn't be here today because I would have felt like I had to be one thing. At the time, it's really different than today because today we see people are on a lot of different platforms. They create a lot of different type of content. But that, back then it was like, if you're creating all this content for the blog, you really didn't have the capacity to also create YouTube content or vice versa. And so it really was kind of double the work for me at the beginning. But it gave me a really unique point of view for working with brands because if they wanted video content, I had that avenue for them. But if they wanted blog content with photos, I had that as well. And so for me, it really was an advantage of kind of diversifying my content and not being, being so reliant on one type of platform. And obviously, if people has grown, we've known that that is more important for us to have different types of content. You talked about people starting today and how do you know which right platform is the right for you? And I have a friend. She creates amazing content. She's been on Instagram for a long time. She doesn't like taking video content. It's just not who she is. She doesn't like talking in her stories. That's just not what she does. And her team keeps pressuring her to be on TikTok. 
And it's not the platform for her. She doesn't like video. She doesn't like it. And it's not for her. And instead of feeling pressured to be on a platform that you think isn't right for you, go where your strengths are because it's hard to create content day in and day out every single day and to do this as a job or aspire to do this as a job. But if you find the right platform for you and it's the type of content you like to create, if you plan to do this long term, that's really important. So if you're a writer, maybe Substack is the best platform for you. If you love to create video content, then Instagram and Pinterest might be the best avenue for you. If you love video, then okay, TikTok and YouTube are your best platforms. But go in that area where you genuinely love to create that because you will be hopefully creating this type of content for so many years and you need to actually enjoy it and not dread it. Oh, that's such great takeaway and feedback. And something that you were kind of when you were sharing and the thing that kind of kept popping up to my head was really about the vitalness necessity that it takes to be disciplined and structured as you're navigating this path. Whether it's TikTok today or, or YouTube or Substack, whatever it is, it does take a level of structure and discipline. So I would love to know when you first started coming in and as you were growing, did you always, even when it wasn't maybe a full-time gig yet for you, did you always have the mindset of this isn't a hobby, this is actually something that I want sustainability in or not? Was it always that mindset or or was there a transition that needed to happen for you to start really practicing the discipline and the focus that it takes to really treat this as a business that is sustainable and not just something cute that we're doing online? So when I started, we didn't know that you could make really like the money that people make today. So I went into it thinking that it was fun, but I always treated it like a job. So when I start anything, I really have to say like, is this worth my time? Is there something that I'm getting out of this? Like I was working as a TV host at the time and I was creating content. So for me, it kind of was like secondary, like, okay, I'm going to build my personal brand. I can use these video clips from my YouTube for a reel that I'm pitching to hopefully get a job. So because I also had that background of fashion and beauty news and the TV work that I was doing, I always thought of it as like content that I'm producing for people. Like what's the title? Like what are people interested in. And so I always had that business mindset with my content. I just didn't know that there was going to be a monetary aspect to it yet. Now, when I start something new, I do have to think about the monetary aspect as far as it comes to like my content and my creation and like what I choose to work on in my work. I think there's a misconception maybe going into being an influencer that all of a sudden you're going to start getting sponsored stuff. And even the people that are working and getting sponsored jobs all the time, and they have a lot of brand partners, it's not like you have something sponsored every single day, but your community wants you to show up with engaging, helpful, fun, entertaining, educational content every day. So you may post 10 days in a row and that is all content that you're creating for free for your audience out of the pure love of wanting them to enjoy it from you. And then you'll post one sponsored thing. But the sponsored things are far and few between and really help support you in the non-sponsored days. But that's why I think it's so important to figure out the right platform for you and content and really make sure this is a, a job that you want because there are many, many days and months that go by where sometimes it's a little bit slower. There's not as many incoming jobs and there's so much of this in our industry that's out of our control. Oh, that's so good. And it also lends to this idea that I think a lot of people that are getting started today, they'll have this mis misconception that it was easier maybe back then to build an audience or to work with brands or whatever it is that they kind of make up and, and tell themselves. Because as we all know, it's challenging and difficult no matter when you got started. But how do you think creators today may actually have it easier to build an audience or to work with brands versus when you were just getting started? TikTok has been amazing for new creators. Like there are so many new creators that are there all the time. And because the ability to go viral on the platform, you don't necessarily have to have the most amount of followers to be a successful influencer. So back in the day, yes, sure, there was less people 
people were growing faster, but not really. Like today, like there's somebody who could grow on TikTok and get a million followers in a pretty short amount of time. And even as a creator on Instagram, it was taking years to reach that first million. And so I know million sounds like a big number, but just how fast it happens on TikTok now is really incredible. And I really love that about TikTok is that it features so many new creators and, you know, living in Los Angeles, it used to be like, if you wanted to be a creator and influencer, you had to live in a major city. Now you can live in any city. There's so many people and creators that I find and I follow all the time on TikTok that live all over the world. They live in different places. They don't have to be in a major city. They are building amazing communities online. They are growing so fast. And I think that's what's really great about the TikTok platform. It's just about taking those followers from TikTok and now getting them over to Instagram or other platforms so that you can really build more of an engaged community where I feel like TikTok, you can grow really fast, but the community just feels a little bit different. Mm, I would agree with that. And I do. I think that it it's missing, at least for now. I don't know if maybe it just needs more time or maybe the algorithm will change or maybe that's just the intention of TikTok. But it's not really there to build that longer term engagement. It's more about the content and the vir- virality of the content instead of like the creator behind it. At least that's kind of what I've seen. Yeah, because I think on TikTok, I'm being fed videos by people I'm choosing to follow and I'm not choosing to follow. So on Instagram, I kind of have to choose choose to like hit the follow button and then I'll remember your name or I'm choosing to have you show up in my feed. Where on TikTok, I might see somebody's videos over and over again. I haven't followed them yet. So the name recognition isn't there for me. So I think it's a little bit more difficult for personal branding on TikTok versus Instagram. Um, And so that's why I think it's important to kind of diversify the platform not relying on being on the For You page, get those followers over to another platform where you can like curate and have them be like a little bit more involved with you. And I think something that you just mentioned about the personal branding piece is is a big key here. And really what I want to talk about is leveraging the personal brand. You spent years on Instagram, well, YouTube first and then on Instagram, really building and cultivating what your personal brand is. And I know that there was a time that came when you made the conscious decision along with Lauren, your co-founder, to actually create your own product. And you wanted to go from not only just being your own personal brand and content creator, but a brand founder yourself. I remember even back then just thinking how important and vital it was that if for certain creators, if you feel that pull and that passion for it, the importance of really stepping into creating something that is truly your own. You know, not only does it help with diversifying revenue streams, but there's so many different avenues of the benefits of creating your own product service that goes outside of just content creation. And so I would love to hear what that journey was like for you when you decided to create your own products, which then, as we all know, became Summer Fridays that went, you know, I say outside of your personal brand, even though I know that that is a part of it. But how is that journey like for you? How do you see the idea of you as a content creator or you as a personal brand being separate from Summer Fridays and also being in congruence with it? So back in 2016, Lauren, my co-founder and I had come up with this idea for a skincare brand. And being creators, we really understood social media, marketing, how to sell a product, photograph. And this is all before Instagram stories had existed. So we really understood, okay, if you want to stop your scroll, like what is really going to stop you in your tracks? And so we thought about the branding, the color, the packaging, and not only that, but 
we really understood efficacy of products. So being on the receiving end of trying products for so many years, maybe we were disappointed sometimes by what we were trying. And so we thought, okay, if you try this for the first time, it really needs to deliver on the results. And what are our own pain points of things? And so Lauren was a new mom at the time and I was traveling all over the world and we both had this exhausted, jet lag, tired feeling. And a lot of times I would take a red eye for work. I would land, my skin would look exhausted and I needed to look less tired than I felt because a lot of times then I did have to go to a job and shoot content or go to a show or something. And so we finally landed on the formula for jet lag mask and thinking about our brand name Summer Fridays and being creators, it could have been easy to name our brand after ourselves, but we knew the longevity of the brand we wanted to create. We wanted it to live beyond us. And so we named it Summer Fridays because it really felt like a feeling. It's more of a thing on the East Coast. They have Summer Fridays hours where you get a day off on Fridays in the summers or a half day. And it's like looking forward to this feeling of taking a little bit of time off of yourself, a warm sunny day where you get to enjoy the things that you love most in life. And so we took that idea, we bottled it up and we launched the brand in 2018. So it's coming up on six years. And our personal brand supported Summer Fridays at the beginning because obviously we had more followers at the time than the brand. We were able to support and push it, but we never wanted the brand to be reliant on us. And so we were always there to support it. But if you look at the feed, you will very rarely see us in the Instagram feed. It's really about the community and the customer. And it's really about the people beyond the two of us. So we're there to support the brand. And then obviously we work on the company behind the scenes, but it really is for our community. And we really want to feature them in our content and everything that we do. We really thought about this long-term because you never want it to be so reliant on a founder that you, you know, we're influencers and creators now, but what if as we get older, our customer doesn't really care that we were influencers back in the early, you know, 2010s. So we always like to think about that long term and our customer has, you know, evolved and grown and we've gotten so many new customers into the brand and community to the brand who are a lot younger than us who maybe don't even know that we're the we're the founders behind the company. And so um that's been really interesting, but it's always been something that we were really mindful of. And then now even on my own personal brand, there's so much that I do and there's not a ton of summer Fridays on my page. I'm definitely supporting and sharing. There's so many moments that I'm proud of, but there's also still so many other aspects of my personal brand and who I am and the content that I want to share because people followed me before summer Fridays. And what I don't want to do is just push summer Fridays all the time and not give them the content that they were there for before I had a company. Mm, That's so, so good. So I have to dive in. I know my listeners so well and I know what they're thinking right now. They're like, okay, we think of Summer Fridays and it's like, you know, we see them, you know, all over the end caps of Sephora and we see this, you know, beautiful, gorgeous brand and the aesthetics and the team and just all of the incredible things that, you know, went from this inception, this idea to being this incredible brand and company that is today. But what did those initial years look like? And, And how did that really work to go from ideation to then getting into, you know, the stores of Sephora and being able to actually take an idea and then hold it in your hand. I think ignorance is bliss a little bit. Like had we known all of the steps that it would have taken and all the things that we would have had to do in time to get the business to where it is, it would have seemed so overwhelming. So when you're starting anything, like don't think like, you know, it's great to have these big goals of like where you want to be in time, but that can sometimes hinder you and make you feel a little bit fearful and like, oh, I'm so nervous to start because this seems like so daunting and huge. So for us, it was really about starting one step at a time and then one tiny step leads to something else. And so um, it was a lot of Googling and cold calling places and finding (laughs) manufacturers and finding somebody that would eventually give us a chance. And then that first person connected us to somebody else who said, do you have somebody that does this? And we're like, we didn't even know we needed that. And so (laughs) 
one person can end up being such a great resource to lead you to the next step. But it was always our dream and goal to launch at Sephora one day. And me, as many creators do, we use affiliate platforms. And at the time, my primary platform was Reward Style, which is now Like to Know It. And I'm sure so many listeners here on that too. There's other great platforms now like ShopMy and, and all these other places where you can link things. But those affiliate platforms are telling you something. It's telling you where your community is shopping. It's telling you price points that they like. It's telling you their favorite products. And so what we did was we took that information and we said, okay, I kind of see where people are shopping. I see that they like Sephora. They like things around this price point. And from being creators for so many years, we understood that they really cared about vegan and cruelty-free, which were the things that we cared about as well. And so we thought, okay, we have all of this information and data. Let's dream up our dream brand. And then we started creating those things. And then My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business Business for sponsoring the show. Um, as a creator, I'd worked with Sephora for many years as a creator back to my YouTube days, and I would create videos for their product pages. So when you would swipe through, you would see maybe a video of me applying an Armani Beauty Luminous Silk Foundation, and that would be the product video on their page because they wanted creator videos on there. And so I had an existing relationship with them and it was our dream, but we didn't know if they would launch us or not. And we knew there were certain things that Sephora liked. So we had our product that was a tube, but to sell at Sephora, you had to be in a box. And so we thought, okay, we have to design a box and put our mask in a box just in case Sephora says yes. So it was like getting these little things in place for just in case. And then it's like the Jen Atkin is the best person ever. And she had made an intro from us to Sephora. And an intro is not a guaranteed yes. It doesn't mean anything. It just helps you get your foot in the door. And she had helped us because Wei had been um, at Sephora for two years at that point. And we had an, a call with them and they loved what we were doing. It fit into some programs that they were working on in the future. And then nothing happened. Mm. And so we just kind of kept following up with them like every <laughs> few months. And and then there was like, they weren't really acting on it. Nothing really was happening. And then finally, we just were like, we'd love to come to San Francisco. And we kind of invited ourselves there. They didn't ask us to come. And they were like, okay, we have this date at this time. And we're like, great. Like we didn't even try to move the date or time. We just did it. And we showed up, we pitched the brand and they told us yes. And we launched the brand with one product. And now a lot of times you see brands doing that. But back then there weren't as many doing it. And the reason why is because it's high risk, high reward when you launch a brand with one product. It's great for a retailer like Sephora because they're only buying into one product. So it's not a lot of shelf space. They don't have to buy a lot of inventory. If it doesn't work out, it's not a huge investment on their end. For the brand side, it's great because you're only producing one item. You don't have to do a lot of things. Um, It's a little bit easier on the production end. 
But if it doesn't sell and doesn't go great, then you only have one product. And what are you going to do until the next one comes? Or maybe the business doesn't even make it to the next product. And so we had to feel really confident and secure in the product that we launched the brand with, which you know now is still a bestseller for us six years later. And so we felt really good about it, but you never really know until the brand launches. And then we launched in 2018. It went viral, which is a little bit different than viral today and sold out a few times and kept selling out. And then um, we launched in all stores with them later that year. And they've been such an incredible partner and just a dream place for us to be. Oh, what a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that and doing it just so real and, and beautifully. And there's a couple of things that you were saying in there that I think is so important for our listeners to take away. The first thing is the data. The fact that you did have years of data from like to know it and the, you know affiliate marketplaces and things like that where you could pull to get really minute and streamlined into who is in my world and what what are they coming to me for and what are they like buying from me what are they like consuming in terms of my content you know how am I really showing up and helping make their lives easier or making their shopping experience easier and I think that that's a big thing that for our listeners to remember that no matter where you're starting even if you're starting literally today you have data And especially now, I mean, more so than even five, six, seven years ago, there wasn't the kind of data with, you know, even Instagram insights that we have today. So I think that's a huge takeaway that you shared. And the other one that you were talking about really is your relationships and your network and how much that has been such a huge asset and how you've grown. I would love to hear a little bit more about the importance of building relationships and how that has really allowed you to not only cultivate and build the the business you have today, but also the personal brand that you have today. Um, Relationships are really so important in influencer marketing in general. Um, Something that I talk about a lot of times to my friends that are influencers that have been doing this for a long time, you know, you go to an event and you're really excited and you're, you just go there, you take a picture, whatever. But like when you're going to an event, I say like, who invited you? Like, what was the email address that invited you? Who was the person that had you come? Or who was the person that you worked before with the brand? Who is the founder there? Like, who is the PR? And so when I go to an event, yes, I want to see my friends. I want to take content. But I'm making sure I say hello to the person that invited me. I'm making sure, okay, is the publicist there from the brand? Let me go say hello and like chat with them for a little bit. And really building relationships with these people is really important because if they're taking the time to invite you or give you a paid opportunity, or maybe the PR works across other brands and you want more opportunities, it's important that they know that you showed up and that you make FaceTime with them. And so that's something that I always try to do. And it's really important for other creators to do as well. And I notice it like when we have events, like people will make sure they come up to me and say hello. And I'm like, okay, great. Like I remember that they were there or they spent time with someone on our influencer team or press team. And so those face-to-face relationships are important because not everybody stays at the same company forever. So maybe that person then bounces to another company and then they take their Rolodex of creators that they worked with previously and they work with them at the next brand or that PR that's working on this brand. Maybe they're doing another event too for another company you like. And so because there are so many creators now, it's really important to build personal relationships with people so that they think of you for different opportunities or interviews or press or um, events or paid things. And so that part is so important. And then doing that over time. And it's not, it shouldn't feel transactional. Like you should feel like these are friends and peers in my industry. I genuinely want to get to know them and I'm genuinely interested in their life. And I I do want to know like, what are you up to? What are you working on? How can I support you? Is there a product launch that you're working on right now? Because 
you want to help them and they want to help you as well. And so I think that that's really important. And it's something that I think I'm really good at and that I've maintained over time. And there's a lot of different people that I end up doing that with in all the different buckets of my career that I have. So let's say you get an event invite from somebody and you see that their email address is like amy at whateverbrand.com. When you get to the event, just be like, hey, is Amy here? Someone's like, oh yeah, she's over here. And then you can go up, hey, Amy, I saw you invited me. I just want to say thank you so much. I'm Mariana. It's so nice to meet you. Okay, great. Now she's put a face to a name. She's met you in person. You know what she looks like. And then you can keep in contact with her over time. And then people, we all, you know, rise together as an industry. And you never know what one person is going to end up at what job and what that might lead to even five or 10 years down the road. And I think this is so important because even though it may sound like, well, of course, so many people don't do this. (laughs) Like, I know so many people that go to events and do things and they don't, they don't take the time to connect with the people that matter most. They don't take the time to put a face with the name or they'll use excuses like I'm an introvert or I'm not good at building relationships or I don't have a network or whatever it is. But like you just said, I mean, we're all coming from some industry, from some niche, from some network of people. And if we truly care about building relationships with people, it's not about this being this transactional thing of what can you do for me? It's really about putting people first and building those relationships. And so just a reminder to those listening to not let your excuses of I'm not good at building relationships or I'm an introvert or I'm scared to go talk to someone. It, it takes nothing for you just to go up and say, hey, you invited me. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really enjoying being here. It doesn't take that much to do that. And I'm sure just that little extra step for you, Mariana, has gone a huge long way. Yeah. And it's also important to follow people on Instagram. It's such an easy way. So let's say you do feel introverted. You're a little bit nervous at an event. Maybe you don't want to talk to someone or maybe you don't live in a city where you can see people in person. Follow them on Instagram, engage with their content, send them a message. And something I like to do too is I'll see a friend, even a friend that has a brand or whatever brand that I work with. And I'm like, Hey, what are you working on right now? Like how can I support you? Oh, is there a certain product that you guys are pushing right now? And they'll be like, oh yeah, actually it's this one. Like a little love around this would be great. And I'm like, okay, great. It's good for me to know. And then that way I always stay top of mind for the brand because then I'm organically sharing the things that I love that they're hopefully wanting to promote as well. And so there's so much more that goes into it than just like everything being so transactional. So that's why it goes back to like the love of creating content and genuinely want to do it, do it because you love it and enjoy it, not just because you see it as a job. Mm. So, so good. So you had mentioned launches just a a bit ago, and I want to talk a little bit more about that because I feel like you, Lauren, and and just the team that you have cultivated and the way that you launch, it's so unique and it's so special because of how real and authentic it feels to who your brand is at its core. When I think of a brand culture, when I think of these things and I see the way that you all launch products, it's just incredible. The way that you tease, the way that the community is involved in it. People are salivating at the mouth before the products even launch. They just, they're like, here, take all of my money. I want this thing. (laughs) That is the beauty of really understanding your audience and really knowing how to build a brand and really at the end of the day, knowing what looks good and feels good and what doesn't. And I think that you you and your company have really cultivated this in a beautiful way. So I would love to know, what are some of the launches that you have really been the most proud of and why? I think just the initial brand launch of Summer Fridays and launching the brand and the product of Jetlag Mask is something to be so proud of. Like starting a business is difficult. Launching a business just alone, that alone is a big feat. So just to be able to do that is something to be so proud of. 
and that first product that we launched and the fact that six years later, it can still be a bestseller. It's a product people know for us that we were able to maintain what was that, what was that initial buzz and virality of that product that it sustained for many years. So it wasn't just like it was popular and then it fell off. And so we're really proud of the ongoing marketing support of one of our hero products over many years. And then every time we have a new launch, that's always like one of my new favorites. Uh, last year, one of my favorites was our Rich Christian Cream launch. Mm-hmm. We had an art gallery event in Los Angeles. And we always have community events too, which are really special to us. And so we had an influencer event and then we had a community event where just community and fans and friends of the brand could come and experience it. They got to try the product and that's so fun. We also did spend a summer Fridays with summer Fridays around the um, US last summer. And so we had different events where it's not about the most amount of people. It's small groups of 50 people. We post it on Instagram. We ask if you're going to be in town at this date, at this time in the city. And then we invite people to just come hang out with us and get to know us, try some product, tell us what products they want next from us. And it's really cultivating those relationships with people who support us. And then our newest launch is our Dream Lip Oil. And it's such a beautiful campaign. And the love on social has been really great leading up to the launch. And it's such an amazing formula that we build off of the love of Lip Butter Bomb into another lip category and our lip care category for us. And so that's been really fun. So it's so hard because right now we're working so far in advance too that I always try to come back to the present moment of what we're doing. And our team is just so incredible and you see us as founders all the time, but it's really like the machine of people behind us that make it possible who do this day in, day out. They are kind, smart, creative, talented, they're team players and like it's all possible because of them. Mm. How far in advance are you, do you typically work in terms of your launches? What is that lead time looking like for Summer Fridays? We're done now through 2025. Wow. So we're, yeah, like we like to have things finalized like about 18 months in advance. And so... Uh, we do work very far ahead. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's it's fun, fun and funny because I surveyed my audience before we got on here that were Summer Fridays fans. And they actually, I asked them if they could pick any future product that you would launch, what would it be? And so I have like a little list that people shared. Ooh, yeah, you share if you want, I know after. if you want to hear it. Um, and it's fun. It's not in any particular order. Um, but th- these were the ones that were, th- there was five that kind of kept coming up most consistently. A matte lip gloss, matte lip stuff. I don't know how a lip gloss could be matte, but I'm sure you do. Um, A tinted SPF, a beauty like soap bar, like a soap, like a bar, and a body lotion in multiple scents. I know you have a body lotion right now that I think is fantastic. So body lotion in different scents, matte lip gloss, tinted SPF, a beauty bar, and a hand lotion. Interesting. So jet lag mask you can use as a hand lotion. So I always have like the little mini one in my bag and that's what I use as a hand cream. And it kind of is like a moisturizer that does it all like eye mask, eye cream, moisturizer, face mask. Like it kind of does it all. So if you want a hand lotion, I would try a mini jet lag mask. And then body lotion, we do have one. It was our first Allure Best of Beauty winner. I love it. I use it every single day. It's just like nourishing, but not sticky. So like what I hated was I used to put lotion on and I go to put like my jeans on and it felt like my like pants were sticking to my body. (laughs) It like dries down in this like soft, almost like baby powdery texture and it smells like summer and I love it. Well, and I will say someone did say a tinted SPF. I will just say personally, I think the Summer Friday sunscreen, the SPF, the sun is it do sun drops some is it sun shade, shade drops. drops. It is by far the best SPF on the market 
You can quote me. I don't care. I've tried them all. It's not greasy. It doesn't peel. You, it's just, it is the most light absorbent. It doesn't leave this white cakey stuff on your face. It feels amazing. I literally cannot live without that. So that is oh, like, yeah, it's a good, it one. is so good. That is like a tried and true for me. But yeah, I thought that was fun. That like people were kind of sharing all the things that they would, that they would want to see come out. I would also love to know, is there anything that looking back and this could be summer Fridays related or just in your own personal brand, anything that sticks out? I don't want to say mistakes, but just knowing what you know now, I'm sure there's a ton of things that you would have done differently, but is there one core theme or an idea that strikes you as like, if I could do it differently today, I would have done this, or I would have had this different type of mindset or this different type of way that I approach something? I think it's really easy to get distracted when there's a new platform that pops up or a new opportunity. It's kind of like whack-a-mole where you're like, oh, I need to do this. So I want to go here. Oh, this new platform. Like, let me get on this one. But then when you do that, if you're not really focusing and concentrating on anything, you're kind of just doing everything a little bit instead of focusing on doing one thing really well. And I know it's like hard when a new platform comes up like, okay, I want to be present on here because I don't want to not be there. But if you're not really doing it, it's not serving you or your community well. And we've seen kind of platforms come and go like I'm trying to think of some things like Clubhouse was like one of them mm-hmm. or Lemon. Uh, Lemonade. Lemonade. Yeah. yeah, there's like certain things where it's like, okay, like was that really worth like jumping on every platform? No. But where should I really be spending my time? And that also goes for the type of content that you're creating as well. And so trying to think of like what are my goals as a creator and really spending your time nurturing that and not just doing things because you see other people doing it. And so just because you see people going to events, if you're an introvert, and you don't like going to events and you don't want to go to them, you don't have to. Like it's okay to do the things that are serving you best and where you think your time is best spent. Because as creators or being self-employed or having your own company, your time and your schedule is in your own hands. And as great as that is, you can also end up doing things all day, all night, seven days a week. And so you do have to have some boundaries with your time. And so it took me a long time to learn how to have the best schedule for myself and really be like, okay, even if I'm self-employed, even if I am working at home by myself, I still need to have some sort of working hours and schedule and like things that I have on my to-do list each day. And so just give yourself as much structure as you can, even though I know the benefit of being self-employed is to not have structure. (laughs) It really is helpful in the long run. There's something else I think about the way that you show up that is another kind of misconception for people and it may actually keep them from from showing up, but but the way in which you have done it is is proof that 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 myth that they make up and tell themselves is not true. And it's this belief or this myth that if I am a content creator, I have to just share every little detail about my personal life. I have to let people into my marriage and, you know, my parenting and all of my, you know, inner workings of who I am. And I just don't think that personally, I don't think that that is true. And I also just see from your content that that is not true. Um, I think you do a really beautiful balance of making sure that your community knows who you are and they feel connected to you and they feel that authentic relationship between creator and consumer. But at the same time, you know, it's not like you're bleeding all over everybody, all of your personal, you know, stuff inside and out. And so you found a really good balance in that. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think the way you want to show up on social is totally up to you. There are some people who are fine Instagram storing every moment of their day from the time they wake up to go to sleep. And that's what they enjoy. Like they truly enjoy that type of content. So if you're fine being open and you want to share all those things, 
that's great because that's what works for you. But just because you see that that works for somebody else doesn't mean that that's the best thing for you. So you just share whatever is the most comfortable for you and don't feel like you have to do certain things to grow or you have to open up about these things because you don't. There's so many successful creators who share a lot or share a little, who have boundaries around what they share. And maybe it's just come with time, but I've seen a lot of my friends too who started around the same time as me and they used to overshare. And it's a lot of my friends actually that have kids. And I found, and they've actually posted about this themselves, that they've pulled back a lot, that they thought when they first started being creators that they wanted to share every aspect in their kids. And then they're like, wait, you know, my kids actually aren't this comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable sharing my family as much anymore. So I'm going to pull back. But then when you do that, it takes a little bit of time for your community and your online followers to feel like they're still connected with you because they're used to seeing this other thing. So I just would say, be comfortable with what you want to share and don't share. Don't ever feel pressured to share more or less. Do what feels good to you. And if you're thinking about sharing something a little bit more, a little bit more personal, just give it some thought first. Don't just post it. If you want to post something, just really think to yourself, like, is this something I'm open with sharing? And if I am, am I find that this will continue to be something that my followers will want to talk to me about? So an example of mine was I gave up drinking a little over a year ago. There were so many times in the last year that I thought about sharing it. And for some reason, I was just nervous. And I was like, if I post about it, and I go back to drinking, uh, will people be like, oh, you're drinking again? Like, I thought you gave up drinking and will I feel like a failure? I also thought from a job point of view, okay, if I don't drink anymore and I'm posting that I'm not drinking, am I going to miss out on opportunities? Like, will brands no longer invite me to events? Because a lot of times there are alcohol sponsors to different types of events that will invite you to things. And I was like so nervous like that it was going to affect my job. I I was just scared. And I had to really think about it before I shared it because I wanted to be in a place where I felt comfortable with it that I didn't mind what people were going to say or not say and that I was fine with whatever, however it affected my career. And it's not that I'll never drink again, but I finally was like, okay, I'm going to share this. And I drafted it a million times. And then finally, I was just like, okay, today's the day I'm going to post it. And I posted it and I got so much positive feedback. I was like, why was I so nervous about this? But now I feel like, okay, this is something that I'm talking about, but I'm trying to talk about it in a very cautious way. I'm trying to talk about it in a way that's helpful for people and not scary to people. And you know what? An alcohol brand still did invite me to an event. They invited me to it was a tequila brand that invited me to a party. And I was like, okay, they know I'm sharing that I'm not drinking. I didn't miss out on opportunities. Like it's not as scary as I thought it was going to be, but I really had to put thought behind it before I did it. Yeah, that was just like my own personal story of like really thinking about something before wanting to share something that felt really personal to me. I love that. And I love that that you did it in a way that felt good for you. I know recently on your podcast, Life with Mariana, that you have, I think you had an episode that you were talking about, you know, kind of your one year of, of no alcohol and, and what that kind of meant to you and sharing that I think is, it just allows for more connection, more curiosity and, and doing it on your terms, I think is, is the key there because that's what makes it feel more in integrity, even as the consumer is listening to it. And speaking of your podcast, I know that you have a great podcast. You've been doing it for a few years now. I would love to know alongside the podcast, Summer Fridays, your own personal brand, what does Mariana 2024 look like? And what are you most excited about sinking your teeth into this year? This year, I tried to not overdo it with my goals. So I had a habit before of like writing down all these things and all these buckets and categories of my life, like 10 things in each of the areas that I had to accomplish. But then it kind of got a little bit overwhelming for me. So for me, I kind of have like one main goal in each bucket of my life personally and professionally that I'm working towards. And when I think about if an opportunity comes up or if I want to go somewhere as an event or as a job or a speaking engagement, 
does this align with this one major goal in each of these things? Or am I making a choice that's helpful for one of these things? And if it's a yes, then it helps me make my decision because I do so many different things. I really have to be mindful of the things I say yes to and how I spend my time. And if it really really isn't like fully aligned and I feel like I'm a, a bit of my capacity right now, then it's probably going to have to be a no. And it doesn't mean I necessarily don't want to do it or don't want to go there. Like it could be a brand that I love. And it doesn't mean a no. There could be a really big opportunity for me or an event that I get invited to. And I could love the brand and I could really want to support the person I want to go. But if I'm at my capacity, and it doesn't really align with the thing that I'm working towards, then sometimes I have to say no to things and I have to be okay with that. And so for me this year, it's about finding balance in all the areas of my life, personally and professionally, being okay with saying no to things, and then actually taking advantage of the free time that I have to do all these things that I, I want to accomplish personally. Because the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, I need to have balance. I need to take care of myself. I want to prioritize my friendships and my sleep and my wellness and my well-being and being outdoors and doing things that are not monetized and doing things that aren't content and doing things that are not online. And so more of that for me this year. I love it. It's beautiful. Okay. Well, as we wrap up, I have one final question for you. And that is, what does influence mean to you? Influence to me means it's never about a lot of people. So it's never that it needs to be the most amount of people that you influence. It's about who are the people that I can influence and can I do this in a positive way? And I try to do that in all the areas of my content. And so when I started my podcast, the goal for me there was like, can I inspire you or motivate you in some way? Are you learning something that's helping your career? Are you learning something that can help your overall well-being and mental health? Is there something that's giving back to you in some way? And so does my podcast have a lot of listeners? Yes, but does it have the as big of a reach as Instagram? No, but it's a small concentrated group of people that I feel like are tuning in each week where I can actually help them in a way that's helping their life. And the people that have come up to me, even it's a couple people who have said like this episode or podcast, like change my life in the most meaningful way, that's influence to me. Mm -hmm. And then doing that through product and brand is, I know what it's like to feel confident in your skin, to put on a product that makes you feel good. When you're, you look good and you feel good and you feel confident and you put on that lip balm or skin tint or moisturizer that just gives you a little boost of feeling your best that day and feeling a little bit confident, that's a feeling that I love. And so I love being able to do that in different ways, whether it's, you know, physical product or digital product. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming, for sharing your journey, your insights. You gave so many great little nuggets of takeaways. I know that our listeners are going to love this episode so much. Um, so if you could let everybody know where they can find you. As always for our listeners, if there was anything that you love that you want to take away from, make sure to screenshot today's episode. Tag me and Mariana in that so we can see what your biggest light bulb moment was, what your biggest takeaway was. I know that she loves to connect with her community as do I. And so with that, if you can just let us know your Instagram handle and any other, obviously your podcast, um, we're going to make sure to plug that in the show, show notes. But if there's another place other than Instagram, that you want to direct people to as well. Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt. My podcast is Life with Mariana. I have new episodes every Tuesday and Summer Fridays is available at summerfridays.com. Sephora, those are our main two retailers. And if you're internationally listening, you can order on Cult Beauty and Revolve Beauty. Beautiful. Thank you again so much for being here. I so appreciate it. As always, thank you so much for joining me today. 
and every week here on the Influencer Podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information in and you will get on the list and start receiving all of that good stuff.